a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very good. Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I'm your host, Brandon Thomas. This week, we get to sit down with Breanne Davis. She is an actress, a director, a wife, a super mom, podcaster, and now she's adding author to the list with her new book, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. We have a wonderful conversation. She is an absolute delight. You guys check this episode out. You're going to love it. Thank you all so much for listening. And now, Breanne Davis. Well, we are so grateful and welcome to have Breanne Davis with us today. How are you, darling? I'm really good. Busy. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing awesome. So, number one best-selling author. So, congratulations. I know it's really honestly, I have no reality on it, and it doesn't feel like it's real or it's me. <laughs> it's you, and it like is at real. All. Yeah. Uh, well, congratulations. Uh, and I, I heard the episode you. that you were talking with your husband Mark about uh, about the release of the book and how you overcame dyslexia. Uh, ADHD uh, and your mom called and that was a real powerful point I was I was uh, pretty got some goosebumps on that one so I thought that that was really cool yeah it was such a beautiful moment because for the first time in my life I felt like I was getting praised for some like my intelligence and not you know being an actor or how I look on the outside and it was just and it's like I didn't realize I was desperately wanting my mom to say that my entire life, because I did struggle with having a learning disability and it was really hard. I have a kid now and it's just teaching a kid, you know, anything like brushing your teeth, the patience you have to have. And my mom was such a hardworking mom. She held down a number of jobs and for her to have a child, she then has to you know, sit up at night. She said, she said one interesting thing that I didn't say on the episode, she said, you know, we would do the flashcards and you would get it. And then we do them again because you you have to keep repetition. And she said it was like so frustrating as a parent to like see you get it. And then it your brain like wouldn't allow you to do it. Again. And so I can understand, you know, her like being fearful of my future. Well, look at you now. That's incredible. I think it's so <laughs> cool. You. And again, congratulations. A thousand thanks. <laughs> uh, so if you don't mind, just tell my audience a little bit about yourself. <laughs> I'm Brienne Davis. I'm an actress. I've been an actress for 20 years. I've shows like Six on History, Lucifer on Netflix, Casual on Hulu, um, every CSI you can imagine, Murder <laughs> in the First on TNT. Pretty much all, like, I I mean, I've been on so many shows. I'm like one of those actors people see and they're like, I kind of read it, which is good and bad. But yeah, I'm a working actor. I just wrote a book called Secret Life of Hollywood Sex and Love Addict based on my recovery of sex and love addiction. I'm 11 years sober in that program, 12-step program. And it's, you know, a Hollywood actress. So I created this character, Roxanne, that, you know, she goes through her first year of her sobriety in the program, finding these 10 rules that helped her stay sober in her first year. And it's just, 
I didn't write it for me. I was never wanting to come out as a sex and love addict. It just became something bigger than me to be of service to the world and to bring a face kind of to this deadly disease nobody talks about. Mm -hmm. Well, and you did it well. And that's incredibly brave of you. I mean, it's it's amazing. And again, on the episode where uh, you and your husband were talking about it, I, I give that guy a high five for me because, I mean, what a supportive guy. I mean, uh, that's an incredible thing for you to not only come out and be so brave about, uh, but to write a great book about it as well. Because so many people probably struggle with this, but don't know how to articulate it. And they don't know how to come out with that. And you've really, I think, given people a big voice for that. And I, I think that's commendable. And your your beautiful husband there for supporting you through that is incredible. I mean, talk about ego aside. Okay, let's focus on what's important, which is what's important for you. So I think that that's awesome. Yeah, he's a great partner. You know, we've been together 16 years. You know, we put, produce three movies together and we also do Secret Life podcasts. He's the man behind my voice. Um, and he, you know, also is 32 years sober in AA and 10 years sober in another program. And we just are really now in our life where we want to be of service and we want to give people the voice to to say the shame, the secrets, the things we keep hidden that keep us in that cycle of guilt and shame and self-hatred and self-loathing. Because eternally, I have that, you know, I used people just like people use alcohol or drugs and, you know, to go around in my life and you know, flirting and intriguing and reaching out and using friends or using my family to make me feel better, to make me feel whole, to make me feel important is messed up. And I was tired of using people. And, you know, with my husband, when we were together 11 years ago, when I first got into the program, it was really hard on him. Mm. You know, it was really hard. The lucky thing, he understood a 12 step program, but to have a girlfriend that uses, you know, flirts and intrigues. And I thought I was just part of my personality. And people say that this is just who I am. I like to flirt. I can flirt with the chair. You know, yeah. I've heard so many people say that. And it's like, no, actually what you're doing is reaching outside of yourself, giving off this fake of someone mirror it, mirror it back to you to then make you feel like high or butterflies or some kind of like, you have, you have a farm. It's like a cattle prod when you prod a cattle and they like, that jolt of excitement in your boring life. And it was hard for him, but he's, you know, he's a great partner and he lifts me up, but here's the thing. He doesn't complete me. And that I think is why we have such a healthy relationship. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's the two mottos of love. It's that you can't love anybody else until you love yourself. And then it's oh, not totally. how you feel about the other person. It's how they make you feel about yourself and being correct. That, that's just how I feel about the love thing. Um, and to it's be totally true. Like they should bring out the best in you, but they also don't complete you. You know how everybody says we have to like go around and find our soulmate and that there's one person out there you and it's like that's a bunch of bull crap that's not true no one should complete you i completely agree i completely agree i think that i uh, there, there are certain people that are meant for you at certain points of your life to get you to ultimately a, a greater grander understanding of who you really are and therefore to reach a sense of maturity to where then yes you can recognize true strengths in others and then complete each other in a certain aspect, not that you're dependent on each other, but just that it enhances the ride, right? It enhances the process of living and loving mm -hmm. together. Uh, the wife and I, uh, we have a big thing, and I thank her all the time for letting me be myself. That's a big one. That's a yeah. massive one. I'm just yeah, like, I mean, 
we all have flaws. We all have things we need to work on. We all have great assets and attributes, but it's like you to find the person that accepts you just for who you are and still loves you anyways. That used to terrify me. I was terrified of intimacy, like sleep with you because it was too intimate. Mm. But now working the program, working with my therapist, you know, working with other sponsees, talking around the world, I see now that that intimacy is what matters. That's what actually is important, not that false sense of what love looks like or the butterfly that high from falling in love. (laughs) Right. No, it's that NRE, that new relationship energy, right? Uh, right. And how incredibly brave, though. But so what was the the hardest part about it? I mean, they say that, you know, recognition is the hardest part. Was that truly the hardest part was realizing that that was the issue? Uh, No, not for me. I mean, for me, that the moment I walked into my first uh, sex and love addicts meeting in LA, it's the biggest community of sex and love addict meetings. And then there's New York and then there's London and then there's Sydney. Um, in the books I was just writing, it's one of my favorite scenes, her first meeting Roxanne's and, you know, walking in this, like, I don't know if you've been in a 12 step meeting, but they're like in the church basement and it's like fluorescently lit and there's horrible plastic uncomfortable chairs and a place you don't want to go <laughs> like right, yeah. you don't want to walk in i said if you're walking into a sex and love addict meeting you're not doing that because you're 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 in a, doing it because you're like at the lowest of the low so you know walking into that first meeting and hearing this guy and i call him rock rock star in the book, a rocker, I call him. So you'll have to read the book to hear the whole story. But um, I heard him speak and he was so different from me. And he said everything I thought every he was like a 55 year old old rocker. And I was like, Oh, my God, I'm not broken or alone. And I remember crying in my first meeting when I said, you know, I'm Brianne, I'm a sex and love addict hysterically bawling in the corner and it feels so broken and alone. Like there was nothing wrong with me. I just didn't get the tools to understand how to, how to have healthy relationships, you know, growing up with my background, I just didn't, you know, get that. So for me, that admitting I was powerless wasn't hard was going through the withdrawal is really hard from sex and love addiction. That's people don't understand. This one guy came in one time and he said, I could quit heroin, but I can't quit her. Mm. And that to me really signified how intoxicating love is, how intoxicating, you know, trying to go after that person that, you know, you want to love you, you know, that, that is so and letting go of that. Or for me, my acting out was I was a cheater. I was a chronic cheater. I could when I cared about somebody and that butterflies went away, I thought the relationship was dead, you know? So instead of letting go of that person and being an adult and being like, this is not working anymore. Can we break up? I never broke up with anybody. What I would do is then go and flirt and intrigue and find somebody else to like start a relationship and then drive them so crazy. They'd have to break up with me and how is so narcissistic and egotistical and selfish. And I know that, and I knew it while I was doing it, but you know, the hardest part was going through the withdrawal. My withdrawal is different. So if you're listening to me, you know, uh, you know, that's the thing. It's such a gray disease. It's not like you quit drugs and alcohol, you have to have people in your life. So for me, it was not flirting outside of my relationship, not 
you know, going outside of my relationship, cheating or anything like that, not having any guy friends, um, not texting, emailing or talking to any men whatsoever. And that even looked like I would go to a restaurant. And I, like I said, I'm an actress. So I like play a part, you know, and I'd flirt just, I just, I just flirted. It's not even like I tried or I was attracted to anybody. And I realized I can't even look at waiters in the eyes. Like I looked down at my menu and would order. They probably thought I was crazy, but I wouldn't even look at a waiter. Like, can I have some more water, please? And not looking at them because I realized I didn't have control of that energy. I was giving it away all the time because I was so empty inside. Yeah. That's what they say about the acronym of sex too, is it's a sacred energy exchange, you know, and that's exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how it can be viewed. Uh, but again, incredibly awesome that you did this. Not only came to this realization, not only wrote the book, but uh, was was able to be this honest with yourself because that's massive. Uh, it, and even then, though, it's a it's a big redemption story as well because now you found happiness with your husband. You've got a beautiful young man uh, that you're raising as well, and yeah. and you're able to move past this. But to be honest about your past and to be able to really face that and then move forward from it, not deny it or not ignore that it ever happened because it is part of your story and it did make you who you are today, which is a wonderful young lady and an incredible actress. Uh, you are wonderful, by the way. Um, wife and I watched uh, Synchronicity last night. Great movie. Oh, I, Abby, I love that movie. That's oh one God. of my favorite movies I've ever done. I can mm-hmm. see why. It was so cool. I mean, time travel, yeah. you know, and so there'd be something that happened and I just go time travel and yeah. the wife and I uh, just thought you were great in it. Uh, it was very well acted, very well written as well. So um, that, that's just a really cool movie. So highly recommend anybody out there. Go check out Synchronicity. I think it's on the iMovies is where we rented it from. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great movie. I love that. And my friend AJ Bowen's in it and it's just working with a friend is so much fun. And Michael Ironside, my husband's worked with a million times. So it really felt like a family and I got to shoot it in Atlanta where I'm from. So I got to see my family. It was just a great experience. And it's so cool. It's very well, it's real noir. It's real. Uh, it almost had like that. Um, Stylized. Blade yes, Runner-ish. Blade Runner. That's what I was yeah. told my wife last night. I was like, it's kind of Blade Runner-y. And she was like, I know. Yeah. It's so cool. So, and of course it's time travel, which is one of my favorite things in the world. Um, so I, I wanted to ask, so whenever you, how do you have time to do all of this? Or you're still, so you're, so you're, now you need to add author to your accolades. So you're author, actress, uh, director, wife, mom, uh, and podcaster as well. And um, tell me what your day looks like, just a day in the life of Brian Davis. Oh my God. Okay. It's crazy. Let's mm-hmm. just like put it that I am spinning so many plates, but you know, I wake up at 6.30. My husband wakes up at 4.00 every morning to write and st- it's crazy. I could never do that. But, you know, I wake up at 630. I have coffee. I try to get through all my emails. I post as much as I can, the social media and everything that's going on and articles coming out. So I'm doing that early in the morning. And then I try to get my writing done because I've written book two already. And I have the outline and there's a fourth book my husband is making me write because he wants me to like tell this other story with um, the secret life journey. And I'm like, Oh, fine. I'll write that fourth book too. So I'm in rewrites now for book two. Um, so I'll try to do a little bit of that. I get my son up at eight, get him ready, you know, and then I, my husband and I like switch off. Cause right now we don't have any daycare with the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm in on a meeting every morning for sex and love addicts anonymous. I go to nine meetings a week. So in the morning I have a meeting in my ear 
listening or, you know, I speak a lot at meetings. So, you know, I spoke last week two times and cooking breakfast for my son. I get ready for the day. I do interviews. I, if I have an audition, which I have lately, I tape those at 5 a.m. Record a podcast interview or somebody else's interview around 1.30, 1.45. I finish more writing. My husband and I usually have Zoom meetings that we're on with because we um, are doing a TV show. We're producing a TV show. And then, you know, he gets up at 4.30, make dinner, play with my son. If I have to do another meeting or something, I try to squeeze that in. And then he goes down at 7.15 and then I'm in bed at 7.30. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's great. And that's the day. That's that's it. That's but that's what day. it takes. Okay. Well, I was wondering how you balance it all out. It sounds real easy, to be honest with you. It sounds like a <laughs> cakewalk on your end. <laughs> well, especially because my son is about to be three years old and he it's crazy. Three years old is crazy. Like, I feel like he's cool. He's like having to like freak out for no reason. And I'm looking at him going, what's the matter with you? What are you doing? And we're like, he's a toddler. That's what he's doing. So. Toddler. Yeah. He's getting to know, getting, getting to know his place in the, in the world here. Um, well, uh, what's your favorite project that you've ever worked on? Besides being a mom, that's too easy. You can't do that. Oh, project I've ever worked on. Um, like acting wise, like, what do you mean? That's so hard. I know. And that's oh, why God. I'm going to ask it that broad uh, is because I just, I'm just curious about, um, cause I'm honestly just curious about what challenge you do the most and then what you found the most rewarding once the challenge was achieved. I should have asked it that way. I mean, I have to say that the most rewarding challenge and the most, you know, project or thing I've done has to be my recovery and sex and love addiction. And I'm not saying that because it's attached or, you know, anything, but the, the process you have to go through to heal yourself is a death. And I talk about this in a book. I, I had to die, you know, the nine months of withdrawal. I found myself every day, the first year crying because all the trauma, all the stuff I was pushing down, all the shame down internally came out, honestly wanted to crawl out of my skin that first nine months. That's when the real work happens. That's when you have to shed the layer, shed the onion is what they say, peel the onion, you know, looking at where you're powerless, you know, of your understanding to turn your life over to, which to me is insane because I can't see God. I can't touch God, taste God. So that step three was really hard for me. And then, you know, step four, I'm going through steps, but I want people to understand it's like, looking at who I have resentments from. And this is what I did for do this, but I had my mom mail out all my yearbooks, like from like first grade to 12th grade. And I went through and any person I felt like a charge about, I wrote their name down, even when I didn't know what was going on. And I had 176 people on my resentment list. Wow. It took me two and a half years in fifth step and read it to my sponsor. And then in that process, and that's dredging up every shitty thing you've ever done to somebody, like what they've done to you. And then you look at your part in it, you know, and we're talking like things with my family, things with my dad and my mom and people I've screwed over. They screwed me over. And so it's just that it's really painful. It's really hard. And it tells you what your character defects are. And my main character defects, there's 22 of them. I'll say it in the book. That's in the book. Yeah. And then I have to make amends to people. And that's not a good time, you know, 
And then, you know, the last three steps are 10, 11, and 12. And that's, you know, um, always making amends, taking accountability for your action, saying you're sorry, and then be prayer and meditation and then being of service to other people. And so I'm living my 12 steps now, like I'm service outside of myself. And that whole process, I did not get done with my 12 steps for nine years. So that I would say is the hardest and most rewarding thing, because I have to tell you now, there is nothing outside of myself that completes me. No acting job, no, you know, beautiful purse or, you know, car or house or husband or son. None of that completes me anymore. And to, I couldn't say that 11 years ago. Everything outside of me was running the show. And now it's so internal that I wouldn't give it up for anything. I wouldn't give it up for an Oscar. I wouldn't give it up for the best job. Give it up even if my husband, if it was between my husband and my self-love and the work I did on myself, I would choose the self-love, even though I love my husband. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's a great guy and I'm so lucky to have him, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't die with me. I die with myself. Nobody else is going with me. If I'm going to be on this planet and that's, I hit that, you know, um, that night where you're like, I have to either change or I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life. And I remember sitting in a hotel room about to blow up my life. And I was just like, am I going to be doing this on my deathbed? Like, and never be connected to another soul and truly love myself. So that would be the hardest and most rewarding thing I've done for myself. Jesus, I would say so, but that is, that's incredible. What what a journey, though, because it is foundational. And I love what you said about peeling away the uh, layers there, because it's there's there's a term called deciduous, and it, it refers to a lot of different things. I'm sure you know it. Uh, trees, uh, snakes, uh, humans are deciduous because we shed. It just simply means to shed that which is no shed. longer needed. Yeah, yeah. And and I love that you found out a part of yourself that's no longer needed. You shed it, and now you open, you know, out of this cocoon as this beautiful butterfly that you can now move on in life. And and that great awareness of that though that nobody else completes you because now. You're not, it, it, there's a lot of uh, issues with codependency in relationships. Yeah. And I think that once you realize that that is an issue and therefore you avoid it and it's not even a part of your day, then that's that's a massive thing. So then you and your partner just choose to be with one another. And that is, yeah. a, that is a massively big step on the improving of any relationship. I think that's huge. That's huge. That's great. Congratulations. Thank this is you. so cool. And again, congrats <laughs> on the book. So awesome. So, yeah. Um, I will be linking your book in the show notes. I will also link your uh, podcast in the show notes. Uh, you do an awesome podcast. Do you mind uh, talking to us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I love my podcast, Secret Life. It's about, you know, I my whole tagline is, tell me your secrets, I'll tell you mine. Whoever is on, if it's a well-known actor or somebody to, anonymous, I have a lot of people that are anonymous on the show. They come on and they tell their secrets from the past or the secret they're still living right now. Um, we've had everything from, you know, a girl shooting herself in the chest with a shotgun and surviving a suicide attempt because she couldn't reach perfectionism. You know, another one anonymous, she used abortions as a, a form of birth control. Um, you know, eating disorders for men, you know, debtors, people that, you know, gamble and like to going in a sale asylum for a suicide attempt, um, literally coming out stories, transgender story, every story you can imagine from every walk of life I have on. We've recorded 
Well, I've released 36 episodes and we have 29 episodes left. So we have enough for two and a half years. And what I, the reason that I started Secret Life is because after I wrote the HuffPost article about being a sex and love addict, a recovering sex and love addict, you know, the first month it got 1.6 million hits. And I had so many people reach out to me saying, oh my God, that's my story. That's my partner's story. Or my parents did that. Like it was so rewarding. So during, you know, the pandemic hit and everything closed down and I woke up one morning and I said, oh my God, Secret Life Podcast, give people a chance. Because I felt like after HuffPost came, weight that I didn't even know I had just lifted off my shoulders. Even though I, I was already recovered in sex and love addiction for 10 years, it's there's something about just standing in your truth and saying, this is who I am. This is what I've done. And it doesn't define me anymore. And I have no shame about it. And it was such an amazing moment for me that I want to give others the opportunity for that. And doing that is actually about the listeners. It's not even about me or my guests anymore. It's like, I want to give a voice to the voiceless that doesn't know how to say I did these things and I hate myself or I'm a bad person. You're not a bad person. You just have done bad things. That doesn't define you. Right. Yeah. Your actions don't define you. Uh, I mean, they, they do in some sense, but definitely not, especially not past actions, if you're willing to move forward. And we can, we can all agree to, to let folks do that. I think that's important for anybody uh, in an individualistic level, but on the societal level as well, because what you're doing with your show is giving folks a voice who it's, it's almost like a a therapy. It's almost like a, it's, it's like a confessionals without the Catholicism kind of an aspect of it exactly that's what it feels like and the first one i heard uh when i looked it up was the um sometimes i hate being married and it was just like damn i it you know um i don't agree with that i love my beautiful wife she is definitely going to listen to this and i love her um but (laughs) i uh so but it's it was it was those kind of things and i did i just scrolled through and i found a couple of them and i was like damn i mean the the ability people have to be so honest with you in that platform is fantastic. I think you've really created a real uh, nuanced vibe with that thing that not many people can say that they can accomplish because people are that comfortable, anonymous or not, to come on yeah. and talk to you about that. I mean, that's massive. You're a big movie star, big director. You you know why? It, it makes no sense uh, logically, but it, but it works and you make it work and you're so supportive and you're so fun with it um, in, in the right way. So I think you do a great job. I'll stop massaging you on that. I just wanted to say that I think it's a great. <laughs> no, I do. I just feel like every time somebody comes on, it it also allows me to reveal some of my truths. So it's, it's a give and a take situation. It's important to me. And I have no judgment on anybody. You know, when people come into the program and they tell me their worst things they've ever done, I tell them, listen, I've either done it or know somebody that's done it. So there's nothing you can tell me that is about you less. And I treat my guests the same way. And I think that they're so comfortable with you too, uh, because you've gone through it and you've done something similar. And like you said, if you haven't done it, you know somebody who has, and you all still probably have coffee every now and then, and you're fine. Uh, and so um, I wanted to ask, because I know uh, we're a little tight on time here. I just wanted to ask you a couple of uh, fun little questions that I had, uh, just to kind of you know have some fun with this. So, uh, genie bottle, right? Washes up in front of you. You get three wishes. <laughs> Break it off. What do you got? Three wishes. Um, three wishes. I. I really envision and hope and wish that series we've gotten some interest, you know, the whole secret life. I really think it will help a lot of people. So that would be one, I guess. 
Um, the second one, I'm going to wish that, you know, my son, and I know this is silly, uh, but my husband and I come from addictive families and I'm really hoping the work we've done on ourselves can allow my son work internally where we don't carry that on to our child. So that would be another wish. And then the last wish, no pressure. Okay, this one's superficial, people. I would love to have a pool. I love a pool in a backyard. I grew up with the pool, so I would love to have a house with a pool because I just love swimming. That just brings me so much joy. What I love is all of three of your wishes are not only achievable in this time, uh, but you will achieve them, uh, if not already on your way. I think all of those are super achievable. I mean, really, like those are very pragmatic kind of wishes. I was hoping for like, you know, I don't know, go dance on the moon or something. I don't know, but that's that's cool. Oh, God, no. I don't want to go to interested in space space travel my husband's like why not it sounds so cool if you could get away with it and like survive yeah space travel i'm like no i have no interest like on life on earth is already hard i don't need to go to another planet yeah we're supposed where to you be can't here. breathe that's right where yeah. you can't breathe <laughs> all right that's that's entirely fair and i love that okay all right you ready for another one yes i guess what is what is your most useless talent Useless. T- um, let's see. Useless talent. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm god, putting god. you on the spot here. It's a silly. Oh, useless talent. Useless you, talent. Do you want me to tell you mine? Yes, that okay. will help. Check it out. So I've got this horrible thing that I do. Uh, it's I combine the two things that I am the worst at, which is moonwalking. Mm-hmm. Christopher Walken impressions. So what I do is I moonwalk while doing an awful Christopher Walken impression. I call it Christopher Moonwalken. Now, the only talent that that brings <laughs> is that it's silly as hell and it's funny and that's it. But it is horrible in every respect, in every aspect, right? So that is the most okay. useless, useless thing that I've got. Oh my God, I don't even know what mine is. I think, you know, a useless talent... I can pretty much eat. Oh, I have one. Okay. I can stuff myself and eat, right? And then I'll work out. Like I can work out on a full stomach and I'll dance around like a crazy person. And my husband will be like sitting on the couch stuffed and Food be coma. like, how yeah. how do you move around and, and <laughs> jump around? And I'm like, I got some energy. Like yeah, he you're... gets annoyed. But that's like a good talent. You that's know? a great talent. That's it's good. it's it can be viewed as useless. So it falls into that category. Judges. Yeah, we'll take it. Okay. Uh, but I think that that's a great one. Okay. Um, so if you could have dinner with anyone in history at all ever, who would it be? Um, I think the person I'm really leaning towards lately to have dinner with, Lee Curtis. I read an article that she wrote recently for Variety where she's a recovering addict and she's in the business and, you know, she's had a long career and she's just a really good person. And she would have meetings in her trailers on location. Um, I just love that about her. And anytime I sit down and have a conversation with somebody in recovery, it's the best conversation ever. So if I could have dinner with Jamie Lee Curtis and have like a recovery conversation, Hollywood conversation, I think that just would be amazing. 
Oh, that would be incredible. That's a great answer. Okay, awesome. Again, achievable in this life. Like you, you can do this. I love that. <laughs> nothing. You, you didn't say like Abraham Lincoln or something. Like this is achievable. So Jamie Lee Curtis, reach out to Brianne. She wants to go have dinner with you, and I'm sure it'll be her treat. That's fine. Um, okay. So uh, tell me, uh, did you? I know that because you're an actress, uh, you had plenty of pranks probably that you played on sets and stuff between your fellow. Uh, colleagues there so what was your favorite prank or one that you got the biggest kick out of in any production that you've been on oh god i don't know i mean i think there was a favorite prank that i pulled on anyone i i definitely you know acted a fool a number of times so i don't know about that one it's just being on set is such an amazing experience and you're with other creative people and I will say when you go on set and if you're not in the business, you don't know this, but it's an automatic family. Like you become a family immediately. But here's the bad thing is, you know, as soon as the movie, as soon as the show is over, everybody goes to a new set or home or wherever. And it's weird situation where you feel so close to people. And then it's like just over. Yeah. I think that, um, is something I can reveal, but I don't remember throwing a prank. I'm just kind of sarcastic to everybody. Like I'm just one of those sarcastic actresses that w- makes wise cracks. I could see that you'd be fun. And and to the to the thing about the family, I bet that is tough because you do form it tight is. bonds immediately and probably so quickly because they know that it's a finite thing. It's it ends. You like literally feel like you've known them forever and saw all close right away. We were in Wilmington. North Carolina shooting together for months for all a family. And when we got canceled, it was like ripping the family apart. And then you never see each other. And I think that's the hardest thing about being in the business and being a sex and love addict. Cause we get attached to people, you know, good or bad. Hmm. And I would think that that would psychologically play a large role in a lot of addiction problems because now you form these bonds and then they're gone. I mean, addicts in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. It's a temporary type of a thing. Uh, that's that's very tricky. Um, okay, so would you time travel to the past or to the future? You only get one. <laughs> to the past. So much. I would time travel to the future. Yeah. Okay, just to see what it's like, to see what's going on. Yeah, because I always, I'm such a nosy. I like to be, to know, I'm like a person, like, just tell me how to do it. Just tell me what to do. Just like, tell me and I'll Mm. do it. Like, and I'm such a, like a control type A person that sometimes I was like, I just want to know it's going to be okay on the other side and then I'll be fine. You'll, you'll travel to, you'll travel to two months from now when you and Jamie Lee Curtis are having dinner by your own pool. Is what will happen. Um, I love that. We could have a chef, like yeah. have a chef there cooking it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, one more, and then I'll let you go. I know we got a tight uh, time here. Okay, so I always like asking people. Uh, you have you have one superpower that you can have, and it's unlimited. Just whatever you want. Uh, what superpower would yours be? Um, like I have it now, and I know that. It's weird, but I always wanted to know what people were thinking. Oh, okay. I was always curious, like, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? And now I think with all the work I've done, I usually can tell what people are thinking. And 99% of the time it has nothing to do with you. But I read, right? But I read people very well. I can listen to them 
And my friend said it's kind of my superpower. Like I think with the dyslexia and learning disability, I I'm a great listener. So I think with the recovery I've done and, you know, people's psychology, all the people I've worked with, I think it's given me this ability to read between the lines of what people are saying. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's a huge, that's a huge thing. And yeah, it does seem like you, you tune into a few other things with the lack of something else. Like the blind people have super hearing, you know, yeah. your learning disability at a young age, you were probably really able to tap into the nuances of emotion and subtlety and things like that, that most folks aren't able to perceive. So that's pretty cool. I like that answer. We'll take that. We will take that. Okay. Davis. Uh, okay. Well then we will wrap it up here. Uh, don't hang up yet because after I'll talk to you for just a second, I uh, please let the folks know uh, where they can find you. And I will of course be linking these things in the show notes as well. Yeah. If you want to follow me, please do. It's on Instagram, the Brianne Davis, our secret life novel, our secret life podcast. They all have Instagrams. I just joined TikTok, which is an adventure and that's the dot Brianne Davis. And then if you're interested in getting a signed copy of the book, just go on Amazon. We're exclusive with Amazon right now. And you just, you know, secret life. Um, yeah. So that's where you can find me. And listen, if anybody's struggling out there with addiction, with finding, you know, a meeting or needing help, please DM me and I'll point you in the right direction. Amazing. You're a delight and you're very brave. Like I said, you're an, an incredible author, an incredible actress, uh, mom, wife, director, all of it. You do it all. Podcaster. All right, cool. Uh, well, thank you so much again. Once, once again, thank you, Brian Davis. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and a big thanks to Brianne Davis for spending a little time with us on the show here today. Her number one best-selling book, uh, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, will be linked below, and as well as her podcast, Secret Life Podcast, is linked there as well. You guys go check those things out. Uh, she's an extraordinary woman, and uh, really grateful that she spent some time with us today. Now, uh, this show you can find on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you want to email the show directly, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Y'all be good to each other.